Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. There's a couple of different ways to slice and dice these various ETFs. They can hold what are called total return swaps. Expect the unexpected. Laura, so great having you back on the podcast. Great to be here, Nate. All right, so there is a lot for us to uh, discuss here. I'm sure you're just chomping at the bit, but let's start with uh, ESG ETF flows and performance so far this year, just to set the table at least a little bit. Uh, I know you pulled down some data for us. What did you find? Is there anything jumping out at you on uh, either flows or, or performance or both this year? Well, as long as we're setting the table, it's going to be a meager table setting. So far in 2022, ESG ETFs have only brought in $3.4 billion. That's it. And that's fallen off tremendously from 2021, of course. Um, then again, 2021 was also better for performance, and the two are linked, and I'm sure we'll get into that more later. Um, but currently, the total assets into ESG ETFs are over just over $102 billion dollars. Sounds like a lot from a raw numbers perspective. Maybe it is, but then you have to consider that there are $7.1 trillion in assets under management across all U.S. listed ETFs. So that $102 billion, it's just 1%, if that, of the total ETF asset pie. And it tends to be more than that. It tends to be dominated by a handful of very large funds, uh, namely you know, ESGU, ESGE, other broad-based core products that are slotting neatly into model portfolios. Uh, if you look at the median assets under management across all these 200 odd products, the median assets under management is just 54 million. Ugh. So it's it's not looking pretty in ESG land right now. Well, well let's do this. And we, we can get into performance, but let me ask you about investor interest on the Vetify platform. And I think you know just about every time uh, Tom Hendrickson joins me on the podcast, we like to dive into Vetify's website traffic and, and analytics and try to read the tea leaves on different segments of the ETF market. Mm -hmm. And I always say I absolutely love this stuff. I feel like it offers such a nice window into what investors are researching and thinking about. And so when you and I were kicking around uh, topics for the podcast this week, you noted that you could pull some of this data from an ESG perspective. And I've got to tell you, I'm very curious to hear what, what you have here. So so what did you find? And then maybe we come back to some of the reasons uh, on, on the flows here. Sure. Well, we're seeing engagement and traffic across all themes and topics related to ESG significantly down year to date. Part of that is because, well, you know, it, January tends to be a high month and, you know, we're entering a slow summer month season and all of that, right? People are at the beach and not necessarily researching about solar ETFs. That said, the trend really is undeniable and unmistakable. Traffic to something like alternative energy equities as a theme is down 54%. Traffic to clean energy as a theme down 67% and so on and so forth. So it's really been uh, remarkable how steep the fall off from um, the heady highs of earlier this year or even 2021 um, has been for ESG traffic, uh, or excuse me, ESG related themes. Now, individual ETFs have held up better than others. 
But even they have seen, you know, if you, you look ticker by ticker, even they have seen a fall off in research interest. So, for example, ESGV, that's the Vanguard uh, U.S. stock ESG ETF, that's the most searched for ESG ETF on our website, yet traffic to it has fallen off more than 50%. Second most popular is iClean. That's kind of like a household name, right? One of the iShares clean energy ETFs. At one point, it was more popular on our website than ARKK or or Bitto, the the ProShares um, Bitcoin ETF. Year to date, traffic there is flagging almost you know a little over fifty percent as well. So there's definitely been a pullback in traffic and interest there. Now. I have a feeling that you're going to ask whether energy, you know, traditional energy ETFs have seen a spike in traffic, you know, kind of like a seesaw, right? Clean energy is down. Oil ETFs must be up. That's not actually what we're seeing. Research interest in oil ETFs like USO and UNG and DBO, these have uh, all seen relatively muted engagement year to date. I think you see that in the flows, uh, UNG and USO especially have seen negative flows year to date. So I, I don't think the the readership interest or the story that's driving the readership interest into oil ETFs or the lack thereof has changed much over the last six months. Um, there's still an energy crisis going on. There's still you know some troubles in the industry and a challenged industry. So that's not necessarily where the interest for readers has, has lied. Uh, you know, when you look at commodities, uh, which have seen a significant uptick in research interest over the last three or four months, the interest is gravitating towards broad-based funds and agricultural commodities ETFs, not towards oil ETFs, or for that matter, uh, clean energy ETFs and ESG ETFs as a whole. That's No, that's interesting on the energy side. But I guess on the ESG side, if we combine mm-hmm. the drop-off in interest on the Vetify platform with flows that have, have fallen off a bit, I'm curious, what do you make of all this? I mean, what, 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 is it everything that I was mentioning at the top, except, you know, those things are actually having the opposite effect? Like, like because of all the, what I would call negative attention and debate, Maybe that's causing advisors and, and investors not to research ESG ETFs and invest in ESG ETFs. What, what do you make of this? I think that there's some of that for sure. Uh, but you and I are a little in the thick of what that media buzz is right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're extremely online, as the youths would say. Uh, and so we see this debate happening up close and center uh, or front and close and center. Um, but in reality, like where, you know, uh, the, the advisor is sitting down with clients or someone, I'm not so sure they're as privy to that or as um, motivated by that debate as, you know, maybe you or I would be. We're very close to it. Um, what I think is really perhaps the, the struggle or the challenge for ESG ETFs right now is that they comprise largely of large cap growth tech stocks. And that is a sector that not many people want to be in right now because of interest rate rises, right? So if you look at clean energy ETFs, renewable power ETFs, they tend to have um, growthier tilts. And this is not a place you want to be in as interest rates are rising. Uh, More um, on top of that, uh, so inflation is benefiting traditional energy 
uh, ETFs, lifting prices once more, making oil and gas stocks look more attractive. But it's not necessarily like I was saying, uh, the oil itself, not the oil futures, but things like oil services and and energy infrastructure. That's where a lot of the interest is lying. So um, I think a lot of it has to do with performance. You know, you can't discount that. What you said at the top, performance has been very uh, lackluster for the ESG ETF sector this year. I wonder if maybe we've seen ESG ETFs as a whole, uh, which have fallen, by the way, year to date, 14%. I wonder if we've seen them sort of hit a bottom. Um, this past month, they've rebounded about 4%. Uh, so maybe that's just a momentary bump on the way you know, down farther, or maybe that is indicating a, a resurging, um, you know, a, a, a real rebound. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I just wonder if these ESG considerations do take a backseat during a bear market. Like it's easy to yeah. to focus on ESG when everything's going well, but when the market turns, uh, you know, there are some more important things like here, just while you were, uh, were chatting, uh, I pulled the returns from two of the largest ESG ETFs. So uh, the iShares ESG Aware MSCI USA ETF ticker ESGU, which I think you mentioned earlier, that's down 22% year to date. The Vanguard ESG US Stock ETF ticker ESGV, that's down 26% year to date. SPY, S&P 500, is down 21%. So you can see a little bit of a difference there. And I I do think, I know we talk a lot about this on, uh, for example, active ETFs. You know, we can peel back the onion and and look for different angles and stories. But at the end of the day, performance does drive, um, (laughs) you know, everything in the investment world. And so maybe you're right. Maybe it does come back to that. I think it does. And I think it, uh, you know, you can't discount exposure right? Exposures matter as well. And these funds, if you look at the worst performing ESG ETFs out there, they are the most growthy ETFs out there. They're the ones that have large cap growth in their names. Um, They tend to be uh, you know, the ESG NASDAQ ETFs. NASDAQ is a very growthy oriented index. And then you slam uh, or you, you put ESG on top of it. Those are not performing very well today. The broad, large cap growth ESG ETFs, like I said. Now, there are a couple of, uh, you know, there are a couple of ETFs that are getting flows despite maybe challenged performance. Uh, you know, there, there are a couple of bright spots. One bright spot would be the Paris aligned ETFs. They've taken in a couple of them uh, now or on the market. We've seen from iShares and State Street. They're taking in a couple of hundred million dollars. Uh, we have GPAL from Goldman. You know, most of this money is coming from week one flows or from seed. So there isn't much in the way of organic movement happening yet. Um, but it is something worth noting that there are some ESG ETFs that have uh, they're in the black right now. And then outside of ETFs from from the big three, we're seeing indie funds, to be honest, taking off like FRDM, right? Freedom uh, 100 ETF. uh, That's taken in the most money of any quote unquote indie ESG ETF here to date, 115 million. Hot on the heels is Goldman's GSFP, the the future planet uh, ETF. That's taken in about 100 million. And here I got it. I got to share this success story because this was long in the making. Global X's Conscious Companies ETF. This is ticker KRMA. This has been on the market for, 
gosh, over a decade without barely any flows. And now it's taken in 86 million just in uh, the last couple of months. So um, I I think that's a really interesting sleeper uh, fund or sleeper hit, right? Um, So and then finally, the carbon ETFs. Uh, you, you can't mention a roundup of, of the ESG ETF space without mentioning that the carbon ETFs like uh, KRBN and KUEA and KCCA um, have really seen a lot of trading activity. Now, KRBN has lost assets year to date, but the regional products, KEUA, specifically the European regional product, that's brought in close to $80 million, So. I love the uh, Global X ETF reference. Those are the types of gems you will only find on ETF Prime. I, I have to mention, um, <laughs> Laura. One area I have to get your perspective on is the, uh, the the regulatory side of things. And as I noted, the SEC is now spending a lot more time focused on ESG. And a, a few weeks ago, they proposed some new rules around ESG fund naming and disclosures. It was much broader than that, but ESG was certainly in the crosshairs on the proposal. Now, you are the ETF Prime resident regulatory expert, so (laughs) I'm very curious to hear your take on all this. So we we have a few minutes left here. I'm just going to hand this over to you. I mean, what did you think about the SEC uh, getting more aggressive here in, 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 in this proposal? In short, good ideas, difficult to put into practice and difficult to, to make an impact with. So there's actually two proposals on the docket right now. The first one would, escape, like you mentioned, uh, expands the scope of the so-called names rule uh, to also cover funds that have an ESG focus. So the names rule would basically or the basically says two decades old at this point. If a fund, if an ETF or a mutual fund suggests by its name that it focuses on a particular geography or industry or investment type or so on, then that fund has to have at least 80% of its securities in uh, assets or 80% of its assets and securities that match up with that focus. Uh, in fact, our new contributor, Dan Micah, wrote a great piece for us on Monday about the expansion of the names rule and how it might impact thematic ETFs. So the long and the short of it is, if this proposal comes to pass, then a fund that is considering ESG factors alongside other inputs, like size or geography or industry or whatever, they wouldn't necessarily be allowed to use the term ESG, sustainable, or low carbon on the nameplate unless 80% of its securities matched up to that ESG theme. So it's kind of an idea, um, or the the idea behind it is to cut down on greenwashing in the industry, which is, you know, a growing problem. However, in this case, I'm not so sure that naming is the issue uh, here. The issue is that if I'm an investor, I buy an ESG ETF and then I get Exxon in it, I'm going to be kind of mad. Because what the issuer is doing is selecting based on ESG factors, and ESG's social and governance scores might be good, but its environmental score is low. But me as the investor, I'm thinking only in terms of environmental. So that's kind of a problem of definitions and investor expectations versus issuer and index implementation. So that kind of gets to the second proposal, which is that funds that claim to use ESG as part of their investment process would have to disclose more information about precisely what strategy they're using. So, for example, funds that say that they use ESG uh, would be required to fill out a standardized table and then provide information and data about uh, the greenhouse gas emissions 
produced by the companies and the issuers inside their portfolio. So I think that's a good step. More disclosure is is likely going to be useful here. That said, not every ESG ETF out there uses greenhouse gas emissions as a metric for selecting their portfolio companies. So there's a lot of social-based ETFs out there that don't. So that's once again getting back to the problem of equating ESG with environmental or eco-friendly or so on. So if investors uh, want an ESG fund that's environmentally friendly, that's fine. They should go for it. But we as an industry should probably ditch the ESG moniker and move towards language like Paris aligned or low carbon or carbon transition. I think that's going to be more useful for investors. So. Well, and I know that's something your colleague Dave Nodig has talked about for a long time. He really dislikes the mm-hmm. ESG moniker and, and you know thinks there's a better way to inform investors and educate investors what some of these funds are doing. From from my perspective, we'll see what happens with the uh, th- these SEC proposals. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with some of these uh, investigations. I mean, we've seen several high-profile situations recently where the SEC is looking into how fund companies are marketing ESG to investors. So the SEC has been probing DWS for a while. They're now apparently investigating Goldman Sachs. Uh, you may have seen they recently settled with BNY Mellon for uh, misleading mm-hmm. claims around ESG funds. And it seems like the thought is, uh, at least from my perspective, this is just the beginning of a you know, more aggressive SEC in this space. They are working hard to dissuade other fund companies from, from greenwashing. So I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of some of these investigations are. I mean, I think at a, a very simple level, it gets back to if you are doing something or you're saying you're doing something within a fund, you better be doing it. Right. Whatever that is, Mm -hmm. whether that's ESG or value, momentum, whatever that is, I think ultimately that's the crux of it. But if if you look at some of Gensler's comments recently, I mean, ESG is it is a focus. It's not like he's out there doing Twitter videos on value investing. I I completely agree. This is something that is not going to go away. This issue is definitely a, a focus area for the SEC. And in fact, uh, if you, you know, you're hearing this and you feel very strongly about it, proposals are now in the comment period for the next 60 days. So if you have strong opinions, go and make your voice heard. So, Well, Laura, always uh, love our conversations. Seriously, nobody covers this stuff better. I mean, ESG, the regulatory side, you're the best at this stuff. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. That was Laura Krigger, Editor-in-Chief at Vetify.